0: That' don't, that don't press me much. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Hello friends. I'm hoping that you're able to see and hear me okay because this is a first ever thing for bill and I uh, did had got a little bit of taste of it uh, when I put a little announcement in there about uh, that uh, we would be doing this, and I'm hoping that Uh, You're able to get it. If some of you are watching this and are able to see and hear me uh, You can put a little message out there so that I'll know that that's happening. If not, I'm just going to keep on um, speaking just right into open space and figure that that'll be exactly what's uh, What is what is happening and what's going on? Uh, I'm Bill Allen. I'm the preacher at West Irwin Church of Christ and I am uh, glad to be able to uh, be with you and to see you. Um, and I'm looking forward to these uh, these Bible studies on Facebook Live. Um, it's a little bit intimidating since I'm uh, a little bit IT challenged. And that's, you know, I know a little bit more than a few. I know a whole lot less than most. And so here I am and we're just gonna keep doing it. And hopefully it will be something that will help you. And it will be something that will help us all as we're in the midst of this uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. Certainly all of our um, uh, lives have been changed and uprooted. Uh, because of this, and it's not something that any of us uh, wanted, and it's also not something that uh, we expected. Uh, but here we are, and uh, and so that's uh, just what we're going to be, uh, just what we're going to be doing, and uh, and it's it's uh, hopefully going to go away, uh, and soon, and I'm sure it will. But in the meantime, we're just going to continue to uh, try to do the best we can. Uh, with it. Um, Coming to you from what we call our brick room. This is in our house in Tyler, Texas uh, in the homestead. And um, uh, I'm sure that as we go through these that I'll be making adjustments to try to make this a little bit better and uh, hopefully you're able to uh, hear all of this okay and that you're able to uh, to see that um, that we're uh, doing the best we can and all of us are trying to uh, uh, make make this uh, be something that's profitable and something that's, uh, that's helpful in the midst of a difficult time. Uh, I do know that um, our God is with us and I do know that we are um, uh, trying to seek His blessing and His word. Uh, and, and that's what we're all doing. It's nice to see a few folks uh, coming on and writing a comment or two. Uh, Debbie Spears, one of our wonderful uh, ladies at our church, uh, Jamie Nelson, uh, hello there from an old friend from San Antonio days, Doug Sifford, great bass voice, uh, Oklahoma Christian uh, singer and uh, uh, just a great, a great friend. Um, so I'm hoping that as we as we do this and as we go through this that it will be something that will be helpful to you. Um, I'm gonna be leading a study on the book of Matthew, um, the Gospel of Matthew. It's um, uh, something that we've been studying on Wednesday nights at our church uh, in the chapel class uh, since um, the beginning of last fall. And uh, it got interrupted uh, abruptly through uh, because of COVID-19. And, and so I've uh, kind of taken a few weeks off from this class and are are looking forward to to getting back in it. Um, And hello to you too, Judy. Great to see you here on this. Um, And uh, all of uh, the input that I'm getting uh, from folks as you come along, I'll try to uh, see some of those things as they come along and um, probably won't be able to respond to to very many of them, especially after we get going. Uh, But our class was going great. And uh, we were uh, going through the book of Matthew, taking it slowly and uh, looking at uh, finishing up by the end of this school year and then it all stopped and uh, so I thought well you know that would be a good thing for us to uh, try to do and to just go ahead and uh, see if we can uh, uh, make that something that will be uh, better uh, than not being able to do it at all and in the meantime we'll just do the best that we can with what we've got and that's what we're trying to do uh, today um, and getting going with this study uh, again. It's um, uh, I thought about how to do this. Uh, so for all of you that are that are listening, and that are watching, that have been through this study so far this year on Wednesday nights at West Irwin Church of Christ. Um, I apologize because you're going to be getting hearing some things you've already heard. My my thinking is, as we're going through chapters 1 and 2 today, you will not have heard these things for actually a few months now. So I'm hoping that it will, it may not be brand new to you, but hopefully it'll be something that will be helpful and that you'll be uh, remembering, oh yeah, I think I heard that. I think you said that. Uh, and you're, you're right, uh, I did. Um, And so a few things that are uh, just kind of we're trying to make the best of as we as we do this. I'm moving around a little bit because uh, the room that I'm in has uh, an outside um, window. And so it's kind of looking a little bit weird. Uh, If it looks like I've got a black eye, it's because of my photo gray sunglasses. And so. Um, I don't know that uh, that's affecting it or not, but um, I'm, we're going to do the best that um, we're going to do the best uh, that we can. Um, so as we're uh, as we're getting started with this and looking at the Gospel of Matthew, I thought a good place to start would be just to kind of talk about the context of the time and what they were going through, and how things were going um, for them. Uh, And you think about, you know, you think about Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and you think about the time that it was in. uh, That time at the beginning of uh, the New Testament times. uh, The prophets of the Old Testament, at the end of the Old Testament, they were uh, preaching the word of God and trying to help the Israelites adjust to a bunch of crazy weird situations themselves. Because as we know, in the Old Testament, they sometimes followed the Lord and sometimes not so much. And as they, as they did this we, um, we hear those words from the prophets and we hear those calls to come back to the Word of God and, um, and then all of that kind of goes a little bit um, away. We don't hear as much anymore. And that's just something that is uh, surprising to us that there's so much uh, silence there. And so I think that what we're, um, you know, what we see when we come to the New Testament, we realize that the children of Israel had been in exile, and then they had been released under King Cyrus, uh, seventy years after the Babylonians had taken them into captivity, in 586 BC, and and so they come back and they begin to rebuild, and they rebuild the temple, and they rebuild the walls with Nehemiah, and the temple with Zerubbabel, and the others. And they, um, and, and they begin to hear, again, the word from the Lord. And then it, and then it's, it stops. And as they're there in exile and as they're there waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the Savior, that descendant of Abraham that would come, um, uh, several hundred years uh, go by. And then as we see the beginning, we, we uh, see the division of the Israelites uh, the Israelites. Uh, into different groups, uh, a sect like the Pharisees or the Sadducees and some others. Uh, It's during that time that we see the world empires change. Uh, The uh, Babylonians uh, give way to the Medes and the Persians. Cyrus, King of Persia, decrees that all nations can go back, including Israel, to their homeland, and they do. And as they do, they rebuild. and, um, And then, of course, the Medes and the Persians Uh, give way uh, to Alexander the Great and the Greeks and they have a great and wonderful Empire and then the Greeks give way finally to the Romans and the Romans the Rome the Empire of Rome is the power uh, and when it comes down to getting close to the time uh, of Christ and as they're as the Jews are waiting and praying and watching for that uh, Messiah to come they're they're not expecting the kind of Messiah that actually um, actually does come uh, if you want a good history of the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, I would certainly recommend uh, the um, uh, what is seen in in the uh, in the Daily Bible that E. Smith has edited. It is um, it is something that is uh, uh, there for. Uh, Uh, for you to use as a great daily Bible reading tool but also that is something that uh, this time between the Testaments he has a couple of days of readings there that are very helpful and uh, summarize that that time period Um, and so that's a that's a great thing and a great tool and it leads us to the time when uh, Jesus is going to come on the scene and the time of of, uh, the Gospel writers Uh, themselves. We look at um, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and we see four different men uh, writing uh, about the same message and they're not they're not just biographies they're not just about um, uh, the life of Christ but each one of them has a distinctive uh, purpose and we we read some of those and we hear about some of those uh, and and so that, that helps us to understand that this is the Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe that. But I also believe that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were four individuals, and they shared uh, the perspective that they had uh, of the things that they knew, and the things that they heard, and the things that they researched. Luke is very clear that he did a lot of homework before he began his gospel and still inspired, uh, but again, in their, their humanity and their life experiences and their purpose had a hand in the reasons that they wrote uh, the way that they uh, wrote. When we turn to the, uh, the Gospels themselves, we know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. Uh, Mark, probably the first one, the shortest one. Uh, An action gospel, he's very direct, uh, starts out with the beginning of of the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus and doesn't take much time to do uh, any of that uh, uh, beforehand, which we'll read about in Matthew and Luke. Um, And uh, and then Matthew probably next, maybe. Uh, Matthew and Luke, hard to understand which ones which as far as timing wise. And there's lots of different views on that but clearly Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very very much related and they call them the synoptic gospels because they're similar and they tell a lot of the same stories, the gospel of John, a little bit different Uh, and it's very likely that John wrote his gospel last when he had access to all three of theirs and was aware of what had already been said and yet the story is the same. Uh, As we have gone through this past Easter weekend, one of the things I mentioned is that all four of the gospel writers Um, they talk about the crucifixion and they talk about the resurrection and it is the central event of history it is what allows us uh, to be forgiven and to be saved and so I I think that it's important for us to try to remember and to piece that together and to to hear these men uh, inspired and carried along by the Holy Spirit of God share the greatest story uh, ever told about the greatest life ever lived um, and so Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, will be somewhat similar The Gospel of John uh, John begins in a different place John actually begins before the book of Genesis begins Not written before Genesis, of course But beginning at the, before the creation Genesis begins in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth And uh, for John, he begins before that um, In the beginning was the Word And the Word was with God And the Word was God and then as you know down in verse 14 of John 1 that word became flesh so we know he's now talking about the Son of God who became Jesus of Nazareth and then lived and was crucified and was raised from the dead and has ascended back uh, to the throne room of the Father Um, and so John begins very early uh, and then Genesis begins with creation and as uh, Matthew Mark and Luke and John all begin they begin at different places Uh, Mark begins with the ministry Uh, Matthew and Luke begin um, and say more about the time uh, preceding uh, Jesus' uh, birth as we're kind of just looking at some introductory things for a moment uh, we're reminded of the call that Matthew received in Matthew chapter 9 Matthew records the calling of Matthew or Levi we'll say a little bit more about his name in just a moment Um, but um, uh, Matthew is a tax collector Um, and uh, this week is normally tax week with April 15th coming up but we've uh, gotten a bit of a reprieve uh, because of uh, this horrible pandemic that's going along and we appreciate and pray for our leaders in government and in our local communities in our churches uh, through all of this Uh, but i can tell you that uh, folks didn't like paying taxes in the first century any more than we like paying them today uh, we're grateful for our country and we're grateful for the support that this, these taxes bring. Uh, but we also uh, understand that it's, uh, it's a common thing uh, that those um, taxes are, are not very popular. And yet uh, they were there in the first century. And in the first century it was even worse because there wasn't the control and the, the great laws that we have in our land today. Uh, that were prevalent in the Roman Empire and in the land of the Jews in in Palestine in the Middle East and so there was a lot of corruption uh, from those who collected the taxes they padded their own wallets uh, themselves and so it was not a it was not a it was not a good thing Um, and and yet um, Jesus takes a stroll uh, by the tax collectors booth that Matthew occupied and calls him to be his disciple and Matthew is so grateful as you know that in Matthew 9 he throws a party for Jesus invites him to his home invites the people that would come to his home which are also others who were outcast by the Jews because of their uh, behavior or because of the pride of the other Jews and um, and Jesus and his disciples are criticized because they're there and they uh, are, are having some degree of relationship and acceptance with Matthew and with his friends um, and, and we'll get to that story uh, in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 9. Great to see some more coming along, Ginger. It's great to see you, Tammy, Sherry, what a, a wonderful uh, missionary and nurse uh, medical missionary, uh, Michael Willis, my brother and friend, and Karen, another uh, Karen Knowles Davis, another great old high school friend. Um, it's wonderful to have you all to have you all join in. Uh, as Jesus calls Matthew in Matthew chapter nine, one of the interesting stories about this man who wrote uh, this Gospel of Matthew is his name. What do we call him? Some call him Levi and some call him uh, Matthew. Uh, And Levi, uh, as you probably remember, a great name in Hebrew history. Uh, Abraham and Sarah had their son Isaac. Of course, Isaac married Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah had the sons, the twins. Uh, 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 And Jacob was one of those. Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the son of promise. And then Jacob had 12 sons and a daughter. And one of those sons was named Levi. And from Levi would come the uh, priestly tribe of Aaron, the Levites, uh, all descendants of Levi. And then uh, out of of that family came uh, the descendants of Aaron. Aaron, the first great high priest in the time of, of course, his brother Moses in the giving of the law in the book of Exodus and um, the Levites being called out to assist uh, with the worship of the tabernacle and then Aaron being called out and singled out as the high priest. And so after that, it would be a descendant of Aaron, who was also a descendant of Levi, uh, who would be the high priest. And so the name Levi was a very, I'm sure, a very popular name. It was a, a highly regarded name. Um, and, uh, and yet um, we only find uh, in Mark 2 and Luke 5 him being referred to as Levi at the time of his calling and then when Mark and Luke refer to him uh, later in their gospels and of course Matthew as well uh, John he's, he's called uh, Matthew um, and so it's very likely that Levi his Hebrew name Matthew a Greek name uh, when was his name changed? Uh, not for sure uh, did Jesus change his name? Not for sure. Uh, don't know. Uh, changing your name was not unusual in scripture. As you know, Abraham was uh, became Abram. Uh, Sarai became Sarah. Um, it, you see other examples of that in the New Testament. Peter uh, was called uh, Cephas uh, at first. The, the Hebrew name, Jesus the Rock. Uh, Peter uh, named him. Uh, Saul of Tarsus became Paul. Uh, the apostles, so it's not all that unusual uh, but we're not sure I I wonder about uh, why exactly uh, Matthew's name was changed uh, from Levi uh, to Matthew Um, there's a lot of possibilities for a theme verse in the the gospel of Matthew if you have your Bible I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 5 I typically use the uh, New International Version the latest uh, version of the New International Version I think it's from 2011 um, uh, I think uh, those of you who know me, I know my uh, feelings about the best version to use. I get asked that a lot. Uh, so long as it's a reliable translation and not just a paraphrase. Uh, for example, the message from Eugene Peterson is a wonderful uh, tool to use uh, as you're studying scripture, but you have to remember that it's a paraphrase and not a translation. It's a good paraphrase and a very creative and and helps us understand the message of the scriptures, just like the title would indicate. But it's important to have a translation, something that uh, goes back to the original languages of Hebrew, Aramaic in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament and translates it uh, in, in, a, in a responsible way. Usually the best ones have a group that, are, that have worked on that. And, uh, and it's highly regarded. And, and I like the new international version. It's not perfect. There are some things that frustrate me with it. I, I think it's as good as any other uh, uh, version out there. The English standard version is a more literal translation. Um, and so I tend to use both of those and refer to uh, the NIV and uh, check check it using the english standard version Uh, the king james version or the authorized version uh, from 1611 and several revisions since then including the new king james version which is a different translation but based on uh, that same uh, translation and the sources that it used Um, those are great reliable responsible translations as well i like uh, i like a more modern translation since we're you know, not in the first century, we don't use Greek or Hebrew since we're not in 17th century England. We, we don't use the same language that the KJV used. But I still remember verses that I've memorized from the King James Version, and uh, so do you, I'm sure. And so there's nothing wrong with that version. Uh, I think it's good to consult different versions and translations. But again, uh, you ask me, well, which one is best, Bill? I use the NIV. I think it's more readable. Um, and I think it's good to check up on it but I think it's a good translation Um, but the best translation is the one that you will read those of you who've known me for a while have heard me make that statement the best translation is the one that you will read and they will all take you to uh, that uh, understanding of God's will and God's word and then it will be up to you uh, to live obediently uh, to that all that to say I'm using the NIV Uh, And so I'm reading from Matthew chapter 5. It's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The great Sermon on the Mount and we'll get there. Uh, But I think there's a lot of different options that you could have for a theme text of the book of Matthew. Uh, For example, you could uh, look at the Golden Rule which is found in Matthew 7. As you would have have others treat you, then so treat them, do unto others as you would have them uh, do unto you. Uh, Jesus goes out beginning his ministry in Matthew 4 and says repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand I think the kingdom of heaven is a very significant uh, passage for uh, the Gospel of Matthew and that is uh, uh, the theme of my study the King and His Kingdom the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Certainly Jesus when asked about the greatest commandments in Matthew 22 says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind to love your neighbor as yourself the great passage in chapter 11 uh, come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me uh, for I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls what a great uh, blessing uh, to get that kind of rest Um, Matthew 16 Jesus promises upon this rock I will build my church uh, that passage fulfilled beginning in Acts chapter 2 on that day of Pentecost and the church begins uh, in Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 20, uh, when James and John and their mother go to Jesus asking for a primary place in his kingdom and Jesus says, now the, the, the first are going to be the last. If you want to be great, then then you be the servant of all. Uh, that's a great passage as well. And of course, the Great Commission, Matthew's translation of uh, Jesus' words. At the end of his gospel in Matthew 28 go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to observe everything I've uh, committed to you and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, all of those good choices. Uh, my choice in this study comes from Matthew 5, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about. Uh, what he's come to do and what he hasn't come to do. And what he says is, I haven't come to uh, take away the law and the prophets. In fact, he says, I tell you, uh, not any, not a, a single dot of an I or the cross of a T, you might say, uh, will, uh, will go away from the law until everything is accomplished. But at the same time, Jesus says in Matthew 5, That he has not come to abolish it, but he has come to fulfill it. And that is uh, part of what the rest of the Sermon on the Mount talks about. But one of the great statements that are made in the Gospel of Matthew is verse 20. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law or scribes, then you will not be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I think that tells us that, uh, that theme of, of Matthew all the way through in a special way That uh, it, is, it is something that uh, our righteousness must uh, surpass those who have the most righteousness of their day If you were to ask the common Jew on the street and they would say well it's the Pharisees They know the law better than anybody or it's the scribes, the teachers of the law They know the law better than anybody and yet, Jesus says, if, you, uh, if your righteousness is going to uh, be something that will allow you to enter into heaven, then it's got to be better than that. And so I think the Gospel of Matthew is a book that helps us to understand what that looks like um, and what that means. And so Matthew 5 verse 20, I think, is a great, a great theme uh, verse. Um, again, we look at Mark beginning at uh, the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus, uh, Luke beginning by talking about uh, his friend Theophilus he's writing to, and says, hey, I did my homework, I've researched, I've read, I've studied. He was in a companion of the Apostle Paul on his mission, some of his mission journeys, uh, Luke, uh, not an apostle himself, Mark, not an apostle himself, Mark, a close friend in uh, son in the gospel of, of Simon Peter, just as Timothy and Titus were to Paul. Uh, John, of course, has that great purpose statement at the end, towards the end, in John chapter 20, uh, when he talks about uh, the reason why I'm writing you. I could tell you a lot of different things that Jesus did, but these ones that I've included, uh, I've told you so that you might uh, come to believe, and that believing you might have life. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. A very clear purpose statement in John 20, verses 30 and 31. I think Matthew 5, verse 20 is a great theme statement for the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, That statement that says your righteousness has to go far beyond that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And so let's get into Matthew chapter 1, shall we? Um, I'm hoping that even if you can't see me very well, I'll fix that for the next time. Uh, it's probably kind of dark. Hopefully you're able to hear me okay. And i um, not sure what I can do about that at this late moment, but we're going to go through. Uh, we've got about uh, maybe 20 minutes or so more that I'm going to use. I'm counting on uh, this being uh, about a uh, 15 about a 50 minute uh, uh, class 45 minutes to an hour and uh, we're just going to do the best that we can uh, with uh, uh, the terrible technical difficulties that Bill is going to have uh, at times. In fact, we may let me try something here and we'll see if that uh, can help a little bit and um, and no that's not a halo it's a light sorry it's a light and it's still still gonna not be real effective um, as i try to turn this around hope you don't uh... Um, but i'm gonna have better and uh... Um, and that'll that'll be good Okay. So um, that uh, I think is going to turn out better, um, and, and about the uh, uh, making you a little dizzy there, uh, but uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll go from here if that's okay uh, with you. And of course, it's not okay. I won't know it because you'll just sign off and that'll be it. Uh, as we go to Matthew chapter one, let me say hi to Carolyn. Great to see you. Uh, sorry I missed you on the phone, but I'm glad that uh, uh, you're here today. Uh, Randy LaFosse, uh, wow! Randy LaFosse and I go back to Little League Baseball in San Antonio days in the Gateway community. So Randy, great to see you my old friend Uh, and I'm uh, glad that this is better. Thanks Doug, appreciate that. Um, This is what happens when you have a preacher doing technical and um, uh, makes me appreciate my friend Terry a whole lot more and others who help us out uh, in, in those areas. Um, so, a few things about, um, about Matthew chapter 1. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 is, is uh, one of the, the versions of the genealogy of, of, of Jesus. Uh, we find that in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke uh, chapter 3. And Matthew begins with a very uh, a general statement. You know, the beginning, uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, uh, the son of David, um, the son of Abraham. And uh, and so right from the start, we know that this genealogy is going to be a um, going to be a summary. Uh, and and so now we're we're trying to we're looking at um, at, at going from there with that. Um, and the first thing you know about the genealogies between uh, Matthew and Luke is that they're different. Um, they're different. And so how, how does that happen? Well, I, I think there's a couple of reasons why it happens. Uh, one goes from Abraham uh, to Jesus uh, versus going from Jesus back in Luke's gospel in chapter 3 all the way to Adam, not just to Abraham but to Adam. And then Adam, as he calls him, the son of God created in a very special and direct way uh, according to the book of Genesis which I certainly believe is, is the truth. Um, And so that's one difference and there are some other differences along the way, they're very similar most of the way but we see them uh, kind of uh, digress from each other. Um, Matthew uses David's son Solomon who is the royal, that's the royal line, he became king after his father David and yet in Luke's uh, gospel in chapter 3 it goes through Nathan. And so, I think many have suggested that um, it's likely that uh, Matthew used the, the official legal line of Jesus, his stepfather officially, uh, technically, Joseph. Um, and so, uh, Matthew says Jesus was the son, or so it was thought, of Joseph. And, um, and, and, um, and maybe Luke being more uh, closely aligned with uh, his mother Mary's genealogy. I I think that's reasonable. Um, Again we see uh, them coming together at Shealtiel and Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, again the guy that helped rebuild the temple and uh, was of royal blood. He was a descendant of David and was a great leader uh, at that time and they coincide there and then they separate again and um and i think one of the things about the jewish uh, uh genealogies is that it's not like what we're going to go if we try to go to ancestry.com or 23andme or something we want all the lines filled but for the jews that was not as significant they wanted enough of them to demonstrate that yeah this person is is legitimately the descendant of these of these men and women and for jesus that is certainly significant um, you know in um, in Matthew, uh, Matthew has uh, only twenty eight names from David to Jesus, and in Luke's Gospel there are forty three and so we understand that these are not exactly the same. Uh, we understand that it is it is uh, not something that is uh, difficult that is to to recognize that there are differences uh, but uh, but that doesn't mean that one 's right and one 's wrong I think there's they come from two different perspectives and there's enough similarity there that we know that they're uh, legitimate genealogies um, they, and they accomplished their purpose uh, and for Matthew that purpose is to show Jesus as a descendant first of all of King David and, and of course of Abraham. Abraham being given the promise in Genesis 12 that in your descendant, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed and so it was very important for the Jews to keep that line pure uh, as they went through their history um, a couple of other things about uh, about this genealogy in Matthew 1, uh, verses 1 through 17. Um, um, Jesus is descendant of Abraham and Sarah, who had a son, a natural-born son, but very late in life. Ishmael first, through uh, Sarah's handmaid, was a descendant, was a son of Abraham, but not the son of promise. But Isaac was. Uh, when Abraham was around 100 and Sarah around 90, uh, yet Isaac was born in the natural way, but still an incredible miraculous uh, uh, birth, and um, and so it's uh, Isaac becomes the son of promise. Isaac uh, marries Rebecca, and they too are childless for a long, long time, and then uh, Rebecca uh, is pregnant with sons, with twins. Uh, and Jacob and Esau even though Esau is the oldest Jacob becomes the son of promise and then as we said Jacob that wild story when he's running from his brother Esau after betraying him and stealing his birthright he runs to his mother's family and, uh, and there uh, is able to marry and uh, one of his wives uh, Leah it becomes the, the mother of Judah and it is through Judah that the royal line uh, is taken. And so uh, Leah it becomes an ancestor of, of Jesus and, uh, and through, um, through Judah. Um, and uh, she has, uh, she and uh, Jacob have, have Judah and then um, it's interesting from there uh, as well. Again, King David begins the royal line, Zerubbabel continues it and then we come all the way down. Uh, to Jesus. The interesting thing in Matthew's genealogy is that there are five women referred to and they all five have a story and I think it's amazing that God would include them in this and Matthew does this on purpose again through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Tamar is the first one and her story is found in Genesis 38. Uh, She has a child with Judah Uh, but it's it's a crazy weird story and it's, uh, it's one that uh, speaks of deception and that speaks of, of uh, uh, cruelty uh, and is uh, something that Judah does not act in a loving or responsible way uh, and Tamar uh, has a child with him and becomes uh, an ancestor of Jesus Christ uh, Rahab is a Canaanite woman, we read her story in Joshua 2 When the Israelites have been um, released from Egyptian bondage and have been 40 years in the wilderness and now Joshua is going to lead them across the Jordan River and take the first city, uh, the city of Jericho. And, um, And Rahab has heard the stories and even though she's a Canaanite, a pagan woman, she makes one of the greatest confessions you can find in the Bible and that confession is this I know that God is going to give you this land my city and my people I know this because of the stories that I've heard of what God did for you uh, in Egypt and since and I know that your God is God and that is exactly why all of those plagues occurred that's exactly why those things occurred so that people would know that the God of Israel is the one true and living God Ruth is also mentioned. Ruth is also a pagan woman. She is a a Moabitess, which means she's uh, um, uh, from the land of Moab. Great enemies of the Jews uh, and yet uh, she becomes an ancestor of of Jesus Christ and that story in the book of Ruth is one of the most wonderful and heartbreaking and joyous and romantic stories that you can find as she uh, is very faithful to her mother-in-law Naomi Um, Those great words that are recited at many weddings, uh, Where you go, I will go, whither thou goest. Uh, Your people will be my people, your God will be my God. Uh, Let not anything but death part you and me. Um, Those words are found in the book of Ruth and they're not from a husband and wife to each other at their wedding, but it is actually from this woman, this pagan woman Ruth, to her Jewish mother-in-law Naomi. They had both lost their husbands. She had married Naomi's son, and her husband had died. Naomi's husband had died. Uh, another Moabite woman had married uh, Ruth's um, uh, husband's brother, and he had died. And um, and Ruth goes back with Naomi and is faithful to her, and marries this wonderful. Uh, A compassionate man by the name of Boaz. And uh, Ruth ends up in the line of Jesus Christ being David's great-grandmother in spite of being uh, a Moabitess. Um, And then Bathsheba is referred to. uh, Her story very well known of David and Bathsheba from 2 Samuel 11. And it's interesting, Matthew doesn't even call her by name. But as he refers to Solomon, he says, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And uh, Bathsheba taken advantage of by King David, a man in authority. It doesn't make her uh, less responsible but it does make David, I believe, more responsible. If there were a Me Too movement going then, uh, David would have been held accountable and responsible as well he should have been. Being the man in power, the king uh, summons Bathsheba while her husband is away fighting battles for David as one of his trusted followers. Uh, David sleeps with Bathsheba. She is pregnant. She sends word to him. Uh, David tries to uh, get Uriah to sleep with his wife, but because he's so faithful and loyal to his fellow soldiers, who are still at battle, he refuses to do so. So David sends him back uh, to the commander with with a sealed envelope, a sealed note saying, put Uriah on the front lines, where the battle is the thickest, and when it gets really bad, then have everyone pull away. And so King David basically calling for the murder of Uriah so that he can marry Bathsheba, which he ultimately does after the period of mourning. And then she has a son and and everybody, David thinks he's gotten away with it, but he has not. God sends the prophet Nathan and he confronts him and and, uh, David repents in such a beautiful, wonderful, amazing way. Uh, In Psalm 51 and in Psalm 32 we read of his broken heart. And, uh, and so Bathsheba and the son that she would later bear uh, to David, uh, Solomon, are an, uh, ancestors of, of Jesus Christ and are in that royal uh, line um, and then we keep going and there's one more mentioned and that's Mary and Mary's story is amazing. This young woman who is contacted by the angel Gabriel and says you're gonna you're gonna have a child even though Uh, you've never had relations with the man you're gonna have a child and this child will become um, uh, the Savior uh, Jesus Christ uh, the Lord Um, and her willingness to do that even though everyone else would believe that this was some crazy story uh, Mary knew in her heart it was uh, the truth and uh, her soon-to-be husband Joseph would know uh, as well and so, let's go to Joseph and his story before we uh and uh, we still have some time um, Joseph's story is found in Matthew chapter one verses eighteen through twenty five um, and uh and it's interesting he is visited by an angel of the Lord. the angel is not named like Gabriel is named uh with uh, with Mary, uh, but uh, he's visited by an angel of the Lord and um Luke, as he recalls uh Gabriel's visit to Mary. Uh, doesn't recall, uh, doesn't record this visit to Matthew, and Matthew does the opposite. He records the angel's visit uh, to Joseph, but not to to Mary. And again, we understand that um, that Matthew is writing uh, from a, a specific perspective, which is uh, to establish Jesus as the King, as the Messiah, the uh, Savior, first of the Jews and then of all of, of humanity. And, um, and so Matthew records this, uh, this visit uh, from the angel of the Lord uh, to Joseph and, and it's interesting and I think we have to recognize how difficult this must have been for Joseph because for Joseph um, he doesn't get the story ahead of time. The first time he hears about this is from Mary and Mary says hey I'm pregnant but before you get angry uh, this is from God. I had a visit from an angel and this is what he said. And Joseph, being a responsible man, is, uh, realizes that this story is too crazy to believe. And yet being a compassionate man, even though he could have had Mary killed for sexual immorality, uh, he tries to put her away quietly to divorce her. Even though they were not officially married, they were engaged. Uh, at that time, it was something that was very seriously uh, understood to be a commitment and Mary had broken uh, faith in the eyes of Joseph and so he was prepared to to um, divorce her quietly and not marry her and not have any relationship with her and yet, uh, instead, uh, he um, he was visited by an angel. And that angel told told him, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's been faithful to you but she's also been faithful to God and this is is the son of God that is in her and in that uh, passage it is uh, quoted from Isaiah 7 that his name would be Emmanuel. just as there was a young woman and the term is different in the Hebrew a young woman in King Ahaz's day who had a son by the name of Emmanuel, which means God with us that was assigned to the king that God would deliver him he was being threatened by the northern kingdom of Israel his own brethren He was being threatened by the king of Syria, and he was scared. And God said, no, I'm going to deliver you. Ask for a sign. Ahaz says, I'm not going to do it. And God says, well, I'll give you a sign anyway. A young woman will bear a child, and his name will be Emmanuel. And before he's old enough to know right from wrong, you'll see the power of God at work. And sure enough, God sends the Assyrians uh, to come and defeat uh, those in Syria and in Israel who had been threatening the southern kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem. Um, and so this child now, in the Greek language, Matthew records uh, that it's a virgin. It's a woman who had never had sexual relations at all. And it's a different kind of term. And, uh, and the reason for that is that it is established that he will be called the Son of God. And so Mary has uh, the promise of a virgin birth. Joseph, uh, in hearing from the angel, is all in and he takes Mary as his wife, though they do not have any sexual relations until after the birth uh, of Jesus. It's a wonderful story, it reminds us uh, so much of the value of all life, including life in the womb. And uh, and we'll see that in John the Baptist uh, as well uh, coming up. Well, maybe we've got uh, time for just um, another story or two from uh, Matthew, starting in Matthew chapter 2. This is the story of the wise men or the Magi as it were. Uh, Jesus is born, Matthew doesn't write a lot about that, we get a whole lot more of that from Luke. Um, but uh, this story of the visit of the Magi is found only in Matthew, in Matthew 2 uh, verses 1-12. through 12. And so we ask ourselves, well, how many were there? Well, we don't really know for sure. Where did they come from? Well, somewhere back east. That's about all we know. What about this mysterious star? Well, we don't know much about that either. All kinds of people can go through all kinds of research and try to figure that out and what they come up with, I'm willing to listen to. Um, But for now, what do we know? Well, we know they came bearing gifts, uh, frankincense. Uh, gold and myrrh. And so because of those three gifts, it's been assumed that there were three of them. Well that's an assumption, may be true, may not be true. All we know is that there was more than one. Uh, that there were there were at least two because they're referred to as uh, the wise uh, men. And, uh, and when did they come and visit Jesus? Well they probably visited him a few months after his birth. Were they at that place where he was born? Um, in that manger, and that um, area where the the livestock were? Probably not. They probably came later, Jesus and Mary still in Bethlehem. Uh, Yet they were there probably in a rented house of some sort as they were able to find lodging after the initial birth. Um, And so are the wonderful nativity scenes that we have could be possibly a little bit inaccurate? Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Do I still have them in my house? Yes. Do I still have three wise men in there? Yes. Do I still have them at the manger scene? Yes. Do I love them? Absolutely. Am I getting rid of them? Not a chance. Not a chance. I understand the story, but I also understand that this wonderful uh, story of this amazing birth that has given hope and love to so many uh, is such a significant part of our history and our culture. And it helps us to understand uh, the blessing uh, that Jesus birth. Uh, was. It was in Bethlehem according to the prophet Micah. He said it would be, Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And Mary and Joseph according to Luke had initially settled in Nazareth in the northern province of Galilee and yet because of this census they went back to Judea, back to the southern province of, of Judah and back to Bethlehem uh, which was Joseph's uh, family's hometown. Because he was a descendant of King David. And, uh, and they go back there and uh, that's where uh, Jesus is born and so that's where these Magi, these wise men, philosophers of some sort from the East uh, come and bring gifts to Jesus and, um, and then they go back uh, and then, but they don't go back to King Herod who had tried to hire them to tell him where this King of the Jews would be born uh, they are warned by God not to do that and so they don't uh, to their credit and they go the other way and when King Herod realizes that he's been hoodwinked and and, uh, and been betrayed uh, he gets very mad and because he's not for sure which baby that's been born in Bethlehem is uh, the one who is to be the king of the Jews he commands that all of the boys uh, in Bethlehem um, uh, that are infants that are young Uh, be killed. And that sounds horrible and it is. Uh, We think sometimes that there must have been hundreds and thousands of babies killed. Well, that's not true. There were too many. One is too many. Uh, But it's likely a dozen or so. Bethlehem's population now is about 25,000, maybe more. At that time, probably about a thousand. But before Herod's work is uh, played out, Jesus' family is warned, uh, get away get away and so they go to Egypt again to fulfill prophecy very important in Matthew to fulfill prophecy uh, that uh, out of Egypt I have called my son uh, from the Old Testament prophet Hosea in Hosea 11 and of course it's referring to when God called Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt but there's that special identification and fulfillment found only in Jesus that no one probably knew about until it actually uh, happened out of Egypt, I have called my son, God says. And so Joseph and Mary and Jesus spent some time in Egypt. Then God sends the message that says those who have tried to harm the child are dead. Herod the Great passes away. And yet his son Archelaus, who reigns in his place, is, is uh, no uh, honest king and compassionate person either and he's still going to be a threat so Joseph and Mary take Jesus and instead of living in in Judah in his homeland uh, they go back to uh, the northern province of Galilee and settle uh, in uh, Nineveh and so they are safe Uh, they are safe uh, from those who have been trying uh, to kill Jesus And so Jesus is raised in Nazareth, uh, the northern uh, province of Galilee. You have Judah on the south, Judea on the south where Bethlehem and Jerusalem are. Uh, And then uh, you have Samaria just to the north of that uh, where the Samaritans who were considered outcasts because of their history and ancestry. Um, And then you have the northern province of Galilee where Jesus spent his growing up years and where uh, he spent a lot of his ministry. Um, And so he was called a Nazarene, Matthew says. And there's no passage of scripture in the Old Testament that says the Messiah would be a Nazarene. Could be referring to the Nazarite vow uh, that the Old Testament speaks of. It could be just acknowledging that he was raised in Nazareth and uh, would be called a Nazarene. But it became a troublesome spot for Jesus later as he tried to convince people uh, that he was the son of God, they said, no, wait a minute, the son of God doesn't come from Nazareth, he comes from, from Bethlehem, from, uh, he's, a, he's a descendant of David, um, and from the tribe of Judah, well, what they didn't realize is that Jesus was all of those things, and he fulfilled every aspect, and this is what Matthew is trying to establish, Jesus checks all the boxes, he fulfills every prophecy and Matthew is going to make sure as we move along the way that that is clearly, clearly understood. and uh, and so that leaves us at uh, Matthew chapter the end of Matthew chapter two, and we're going to start uh, on Thursday with Matthew chapter three. Uh, we'll look at try to get a couple of chapters down each week, each each session actually. And I plan on having these little uh, sit down Bible studies, hopefully with good lighting the whole time next time, and not just the last half. Um, But we'll plan on doing that on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central Time. I really hope you can uh, join us. Uh, It's nice to see that my dear friend Mary Lee uh, has joined us from here in Tyler. Also my brother and co-worker Davey Carter. Davey, good to see you there. Uh, Dennis Hogan, uh, a a great old friend and a wonderful student in ministry when we were at the Center for Christian Education and um, just appreciate so many that are going to be a part of this. Um, Hopefully you can tell a few others, hey, you know, listen in because I can't see you and you can see me, you can be ironing or you can be, does anybody iron anymore? Or you can be eating a sandwich or you can be, um, you know, listening to music and watching me as well, whatever you want to do. But I hope that you'll take part in this and I'm excited about going through this study. Uh, Matthew is a great book and the story of Jesus is a great, great story. Truly, he is the King of Kings. And at this time, um, uh, we desperately need uh, to know him and to hear his word and his will and to try to establish that uh, in our lives. Let's close with prayer. And then, if I can, I'm going to try to figure out how to sign off on this thing. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for... um, this great and wonderful word of god that we have uh, the bible thank you father for the blessing of being able to know you to know your son to have your holy spirit present with us still and father we're grateful that you've used matthew to uh, reveal this great word we're thankful father for his willingness to leave everything and follow you and we're looking forward to hearing that part of this story as well Father, we're especially thankful today for Jesus in the midst of a world that is shut down to a great degree because of of, uh, destruction and disease and death. uh, We know, Father, that your word continues to spread and we're grateful for technology that allows us to study together, uh, even though we're apart and socially distant, but we're thankful, Father, for the great blessing that your word brings us. Father, bless us as um, as we go through this study We pray, Father, that those who need to hear this story will hear it. And I pray, Father, that you will bless me, that I'll be able to get out of the way enough uh, to be able to share the word of God uh, that they need to hear. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Uh, None of us could be saved without it. And yet all of us who will turn to this great one that Matthew talks about, uh, Jesus, your son, that we can be. So, Father, bless us. Bless our nation, our communities. Bless our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. I will see you again. And uh, God bless. And I hope everything uh, goes well uh, for you.